Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Take a deep breath. Great to be alive, amen. I tell my church each time when I come up that every breath God gives to us is a gift, amen. Don't assume that we will wake up, but with every breath that we have, we ought to live it for the Lord Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. Okay, I'm going to teach you something that I do with my church. Okay, I'm going to change your culture a little bit. The Bible says, when you say God is good, in the Bible it says, His mercy endures forever. Okay? God is good. His mercy endures forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. I find that more biblical. Pastor, I'm so sorry I destroyed that for you. I send you greetings from my church. Uh, they are praying for me, even as they meet right now. But I'm thrilled to be here and to bring the Word of God to you. Thank you, Pastor Vincent. Thank you, church leadership, for your invitation. Glad to be home. Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn to your Bibles with me. In the book of uh, Mark, I'd like to challenge you all to, to dust off the dust from your printed Bible. Bring it to church. You know, there's one way that you can actually learn the Word of God. I discover, it as I, I, I teach in Bible school, I get them to read the Bible and I want them to page. Because when you do a lot of movements using all your faculties, you actually imprint. There is a study that shows that when we use our digital uh, devices, our learning capacity is less. Okay? This is from research, not from what I'm saying. So bring your Bible, dust it off and say, time to use the Bible, the print Bible once again. Amen. Mark 12, and I'm reading from verse 1 right up to 11. He then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, bid him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. Verse 5, he sent still another. And that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. He had one left to send a son, whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read this scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Father, we ask that you bless your word. Open our hearts. Let it be fertile soil, O oh God, to receive your word. Help us receive it with obedience and walk in faith. That truly, O oh God, your word will bear much fruit in our lives, O oh God, that your kingdom, O oh God, will be extended and glory to your name. We ask this in Jesus' name and all say together, Amen. I'd like to share with you a story when I was working in the bank. 
And it was interesting that uh, when I was in the bank, I was a very driven young man. Uh, I planned my future. I invested a lot of time into what I think would be um, my dream. And I had a five-year plan, and I have a 10-year plan, and I remember I submitted a lot. I was a, I, I'm a Christian then. I was a Christian and still is a Christian. Aren't you glad I'm a Christian? Or else you'll be hearing to a heretic. And I began to plan, and, and when the Lord called me to full-time ministry, it was a real struggle for me because it meant that those dreams had to be uh, put aside. And I felt that it was like a big sacrifice on my part. But I can tell you, after serving God more than 30 years, looking back, it is not. It was exchanging something of less value for something that's higher. And I thank God for that. And so I remember when I was in the bank, I would come in early and I would prepare myself, I would do my devotion before the day starts. And there was this lady, at the time she was a Buddhist and she didn't believe uh, in Christianity. And we would talk. And so she would tell me that she would have nightmares and all that. And so as a, as a Christian, I would I'd tell her, why don't you, when you have nightmares, you pray. Just call the name of Jesus. Ask Him to help you. No, and that conversation went on for a while and one day, excitedly, she told me, Chris, Chris, you must hear this. You know, the name that you asked me to, to call, I called Him. And my nightmares went away. She later on went on to become a Christian and uh, actively serve in the church. And I thank God for that. Now, why am I telling you this story? Number one, we bear the name of Christ and it's a powerful name, amen? The name that can change the destiny of a person. I read a powerful book and the book says this, your faith may be personal, but it is never private. Hear me again. Your faith may be personal, but it is not private. For your faith, even though it's personal, outgrow from there will be an impact that touches the public. Can you say an amen to that? And that's why we bear fruit. And so all of us here, we want a very good return on our investment. You know? Parents invest, we invest in our children, we invest in their lives, and we want to give them a good platform, a base so that they can work from that, hopefully with success, hopefully with prosperity, hopefully loving God much more. It was with this same lady that I, 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 I had a conversation and I learned something precious from her. She said this, Chris, I have, I have a few daughters, they're very young. I was a young man then, okay? I wasn't married. So he said, would you like to make an investment? And I was wondering, what kind of investment is she talking about? She said, all you need to do is put a down payment for one of my daughters. Okay. And support her every month an amount until she reached the age of 18. Then she will decide whether she wants to marry you or not. I thought to myself, I'm not that desperate, but I'm trying to see where she's going. So I asked a, a question. What if she says no at 18? You see, then your, your investment is all gone. It's, it's forfeited. Wow, I said, that is a bad investment. Now I have two sons. I'm going to propose to you. Anyone here interested? My sons are still single. You meet me afterwards, we pay down payment. 
and then you support them for, no, no, I'm just joking. But we want a good return on investment, am I correct? And I believe the Bible says the same thing. You know, this morning, the scriptures tells us a picture that God is a God who's long-suffering. When we read the scripture here, we read of a very powerful story. How this landowner would prepare and make sure everything that is needed for the vineyard to be successful was put in place. The Bible says a man planted a vineyard. And the term vineyard in the Bible, especially when you read the Old Testament, refers to Israel. But before we go into the term, just the vineyard, equated to Israel, it goes back even further into the book of Genesis where God called a man called Abram. Told him if he would pack up his bags and move. Originally, this was, this was a message I was going to preach this Sunday, but I felt the prompting that I would change it. But I need to touch a little bit on this. And I was wondering, for Mrs. Abram, what she thought of the call of God. Because God spoke to Abram, didn't speak to the wife. And so, he goes and, and tells the wife, you know, I hear God telling me to pack up and go. Now you must remember, Abram lived in a society that is polytheistic, believed in many gods. There wasn't an evidence that he actually called on Yahweh, but hearing a voice among the voices was incredible. For him to respond was really, really faith. But talking to the wife would take greater faith, right? Because the wife will ask, okay dear, I hear you. Where do you want to go? I don't know. but we must pack our bags and go. So where are we heading? I still don't know. But we have to go. How many here would like to follow a leader like that? Anyone here? But I was astonished by the fact that the woman would follow him and they would journey. So it began with there. That God called him, I will make you a father of nations and you will be blessed that you might be a blessing. And so Israel was birthed from the call of this guy and this guy's obedience. And Israel was given a very powerful mandate that they were supposed to be a peculiar nation. Different from all other nations that worship other gods. Theirs was a relationship directly with God where they follow God's law and where their lives was different. Peculiar. Not weird. Can you tell your neighbour, peculiar, not weird. Next Sunday when you come, make sure you wear costumes. Don't wear Batman costume. Don't wear Superman costume. Uh, that's weird. No, I was looking at one documentary, I was doing my research, and I was looking at Bali. Bali, in the early days, the costume was very, very unique. Okay? All the men, all the women don't wear anything on top. Please don't come like that. I know it's customary, but don't. We have changed with times. 
And so we find that this was a heartbeat of God, that God blessed that the person may be a blessing. And the nation of Israel was to be an example nation to the people. And so Israel many times was called the vineyard of God. And then you notice that the man builds up the wall and the wall was to prevent intrusion, prevent any kind of unwanted elements coming in. You know, when I pray for my family and whenever I'm off in missions, my family gets attacked. I can tell you, one time I was preparing to go overseas, preparing over the night. And I was at the computer and I could sense a presence Unwanted presence coming into the room. And I could actually visualize it was a woman in red. Not because I saw the show, Woman in Red, okay? But it was a woman in red and very ugly figure. And it was about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I, I said, in the name of Jesus, get out. You're not wanted here. But my son would cry because my son would, would break the brunt of the ministry that I'm involved in. You see, there are things that we may not see in the spiritual realm, but they are real. We experience it, especially when you are in the forefront. And I don't discount the fact that all of us will go through it in various degrees. So the wall acts as a deterrent, a, a, a protection. And so I will pray for my family each time I would be involved in missions. And I say, Lord, cover my family. Put a perimeter of hedge protecting them. Then he digs a pit for a wine press and that suggests to us that when God wants to invest in our lives, He is not someone who invests for nothing. None of us here invest for nothing. Am I correct? How many gardeners are here? You like to do gardening and all that. Anyone? Come on. Only a few of us. You are, the rest of you are just taking up precious air. Plant something, release oxygen back to the earth. I had a plant, Liban Kasturi, you know, had it for nine years in a, in a pot, big pot. In fact, I remember my mother-in-law gave it to me. That's the reason why I didn't throw it away, I think, early. I kept it. But I was waiting for the fruit to come. But nine years, nothing. Not even one BG. Oh, you were so disappointing. So my wife told me, perhaps maybe we transplant it to the ground. You know, it, will, it will be better. So we did that. Dr. Ho planted and it grew bigger. But still no food. <sighs> what do you do with a plant that only pokes you when you get up from a car, scratch your car, and my son say, Pa, please la, take away the plant la. When your two sons tell you unisonly, you better hear. So in the end, we spent one day digging up the whole plant and discarded it. How sad when you plant something that you cannot harvest. Am I correct? You don't invest without wanting to harvest something. And then the owner builds a watchtower. What are watchtowers for? Surveillance. Continuous surveillance to, to make sure that the vineyard is not only protected but to see any intrusion. You see, a lot of investment into missions that we do requires provision. If you want to grow in your life, you must, what we call, discipline your own life. 
watch your life, lead your own life, make sure that it is in proper path. You need to do that. In summary, this owner placed everything needful for success. Everything that was needed for it to bear fruit. Every needed resources was provided for. And if we apply it to what God wants to do to, through your church, and I have entitled this message, The Church with Mission. With a mission. It is different from the idea of missions with an S and mission. When you see all these flags, it's our missions to the nations. It is going out and we're doing something implementing the Great Commission. But when you say mission, it is a church with a purpose. When you invest, you invest with a purpose in mind. When we drive, there's a direction, there's a purpose where we want to go. Anyone try driving without any purpose? Have you tried that? One day, I was very frustrated with driving. So, I told my wife, would you want to come with me? Just go for a drive. She asked me where. I said, maybe Putrajaya at night. It's very late, low. I said, just drive lah. For what? Just drive only. You go alone lah. <laughs> she may love me, but she loves her sleep also a lot. See, in this story here, when God provides everything is needful for your resources, the key is partnership. Tell your neighbor partnership. We are called to have partnership with God. Do you know that it is such a privilege that God would consider any one of us to be a partner? When I lead teams out missions when I was younger, one of the greatest joy is to see their lives impacted because they saw that God can use them in spite of them. In spite of who we are. I never thought that God would call me because when I was a young man, I don't speak like this. I stammer. I had a problem with stammering. I, I went to see the doctor. The doctor said, your mind works too fast. So before you can translate the thoughts to your mouth, you already stand something else. So I run over my words. I, I, I sound like those katak running over. And so when God came in full-time ministry, I said, God, you made a mistake. I can't stand in front of people. I can speak. I run over my words. I said, don't worry. You'll be okay. I didn't believe God, but of course, now you hear me speak, you don't hear that. So I've been proven a fool. And I told God, I don't like speaking to people in front. See, don't worry, you'll be okay. You see, we have self-doubt that God can use us. And I like the testimony of the young lady. All you need to do is say, yes, Father. And He will take from there. Don't worry about the process. Don't worry about whether you will be better or not. Obey Him one step at a time. The Bible language, whenever He... Talk, we talk about Bible language. It's the light unto, the lamp unto my feet. It shines only the parameters. It doesn't shine very far. These days we have powerful, powerful spotlights we can shoot very far. In those days, you walk a step at a time. You have to follow. 
And those are treacherous grounds. They are not like our highways. You can just walk blindly and don't fall off. But you hold the hand of the master. And so the Bible says, harvest time came. So the covenant was very simple. The owner provides everything. In fact, got everything done so that the whole idea is when the fruits come, share. He sends his first doulos, the servant. The, the, the Greek language is doulos. A servant tasked to do something. He was beaten and sent away empty-handed, the Bible says. Second man came, second doulos, also the same thing, beaten. Treated shamefully. Do you realize that sin always escalates? It's a downward spiral. Things don't get better by themselves. It will spiral downward. The third one came, was killed. And then subsequently, many more servants beaten, some killed. Now, the, the, the story here talks about the man and who are these characters? It's a story of God. And the vineyard was symbolic of Israel. So Israel was chosen specially and God made a covenant that as I bless you, you are to be a blessing. Not only did they fail in that, but they failed badly. <coughs> Their responses was not in tandem with what God had desire. And so, the story climaxes on, if I send my son, they will respect him. Where in the Bible do we read the son being sent? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He sent His only son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We forget the second part of the scripture there, 17. For God did not send His Son to condemn the world, but to save the world. So the sending of the Son was very important because He said they will respect Him. But evil men being evil men, they devise a scheme that is evil. He's the heir. So if we kill Him according to the custom, if there's no more heir, that land we can actually grab. And they kill him. And threw him out of the vineyard. Why is this story so important for us? See, God entrusts to all of us resources. He makes sure everything that is needful to do a good job and get the job done is provided for. Personally and as a church. And we have that responsibility in responding to the covenant promise that God has made with all of us. Do you know what happened to Israel? God rejected Israel and that mission given to them is now given to the Gentiles. So that the Gentiles now and all of us, look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor you're a Gentile. Tell your neighbor you're a Gentile. If you're a Jew, you better see a pastor for counseling. Now he 
has been entrusted to all of us, not just some of us, but all of us. And this story tells us there's a narrative where God makes sure that you have everything you need. Don't ever feel that you cannot do the job. Don't ever feel that God can't use me. He didn't make a mistake. His ways are definitely more powerful and wiser than mine. Important for us to understand that when Jesus talked about this, when He threw the body out of the vineyard, He was in effect rejecting His claim to be the Messiah. A symbolic act. So the Bible says here, what is the consequences that will take place? The owner will judge the tenants. They will be killed. The vineyard will be taken and given to someone else. And that took place. Israel failed. It was taken from them and given to others. It is a privilege for us to be involved in the work of God. Amen. Next Sunday, when you come for the rally and when you come to make a pledge, tell yourself, I am only a manager. What I have belongs to God. Tell yourself, God, stretch my faith. Enlarge my faith. Help me walk in a way that will glorify you and stretch the boundaries of my experience with you. If you think that you're limited, my father is unlimited. If you had that mindset, it will shift you, it will change you. The bottom line here is, and the point of this story is, those who have been entrusted should honour their pledge. I don't believe that God blessed us. I don't believe that God blessed your church that you can just enjoy and not be moved in your heart. I believe that God blessed us that we might be a blessing. A few years ago, I was challenging my church and we were raising funds for the building project to do some renovation. And I told myself, and I challenged the church, how many of you here would follow me and scale Mount Kinabalu. So I got four volunteers, five of us. And we have a timeline. One year we will train. So I, I signed up for a gym. I went to the gym. I did all the leg press. Everything. Wow, I was so impressive. I look good. I feel good. I boast about my physique power. What I didn't know was when we were ascending, it began to rain a little bit. And the guides told us, oh, in July, boss, no problem, man. Just rain your eye. Small drips. That's it. Just half hour into the hike, it began to pour and pour. It didn't stop for the next four hours. It poured and poured. It was so bad that when we were hiking up, the pathway became stream up to our ankle. You're going uphill. And, it's, and then you see people shivering and you see people tired out. 
I remember one of my members was ahead, and then he came down, pastor cannot go. No way there. It's a waterfall. That, that pathway was dry, but now it's waterfall. And I thought to myself, I said, God, what have I got myself into? In fact, my, 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 my team blamed me. Pastor, it's all your fault. You tag it with the church building uh, project and that, that's why we have this. So when things fail or go bad, pastor, it's your fault. You brought God into this picture. When we finally reached there, I was, my, my lips was blue. I didn't know. They told me that I have hypothermia. See, I trained. I knew that I could take the, 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 the peak. In the end, they had, to cow, they had to stop us from going up because it was just too dangerous. It was only when we came down, we discovered that there was a tail-end typhoon that passed through the area. None of us could predict. I felt that perhaps this was my swan song, I would have died on the mountain there because it was so, so severe. But I decided I must finish my task. So the following year, we scaled it successfully. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, amen. When I was 50 years old, now, why do we want to pursue something? There is an unfinished task that God has given to all of us. Sons and daughters of God. GTNs. God has given you all the resources here. But what is important in this story here is for those that have been entrusted, you must honour that trust fulfill the pledge. Don't allow doubt. Don't say, oh, enough already. Leave it to the next generation. I tell you this. If we have the mindset, oh, the next generation can do it, they won't do it because monkey see, monkey do. Tell your neighbor, you are a model. Monkey see, monkey do. If we are inspired, they will be inspired. If we do it well, they do it greater. But don't say, next generation do it lah. We are enough already. Serve God enough already. I never could find any passage in the scripture that says that you can retire. You can change. But don't retire, amen? Because Why? If God is a God who's still working, and Jesus said, my Father, day and night, day and night, who are we to say anymore? I used to say, you know, we can retire at 90. Now 90 years old, you can't retire. All because of Mahathir. <laughs> now you will retire at 100. But the Bible says clearly, if you've been entrusted with something, fulfill it. I want to show you this and I hope you will see it. It is this chipmunk, I think, or a rat saying, go on without me. Can you show that? Sometimes we say, oh, yeah, you go on. I can't already. Please don't. Don't give yourself an excuse to say, go on. Never give yourself an excuse to say, it's okay. And there is this 
powerful saying. In this world, we have to take chances. Sometimes they are worth it. And sometimes they are not. But I'm telling you, you will never know until you try. Much of our faith journey is not trying to know exactly how to do it. But to pray, hear the voice of God and faithfully follow that voice. Yes, we get training. But the training are only supplementary. You can never augment your need to depend on God. Try. If you fail, try again. But don't stop. Because when we stop, we truly have failed. What is God saying to you today? What is God impressing upon your heart today? Mother Teresa said this, in this life, we cannot always do great things. But we can always do all things with great love. It is a very powerful principle. Much is given, much is required, but even when God entrusts to us smallest of things, if we have great love doing it, you honour God and you grow in it. Powerful statements like this reminds us, and that leads me to where I want to say, you have no excuse. I have no excuse. None of us have an excuse. Don't give yourself an excuse. Oh, I've been giving so many, many years already. Lord, I need a break. Oh, my children, they are now reaching a stage where tuition is very expensive. Education is expensive. I want to share a testimony to you as I conclude. When I went full-time ministry, I knew that material possessions would not be one of the high features that I will have. Like any parent, I was concerned with my two sons for their education. But I knew that God is faithful. That He would take care. And so a few years ago, as they were reaching the stage where they are going to college, our general superintendent announced that there is this college, Taylor's College, Taylor's University. And the owner is one of the members in this church and extended the privilege to the pastor's children. I didn't think too much of it because I knew Taylor's very expensive. And my radar was Methodist College because they offered to us 50%. You know? But the courses that they have there was not what my son wanted to do. And it was in Taylor's that they have it. So I, I did a survey. As a good father, I, I surveyed a few colleges and the prices, oh my goodness. I have to fast for their, 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 their fee. But after I surveyed, and I was at Taylor's, they offered to me a 50% discount, which became cheaper than a few other colleges. And I told my son, God has not failed me. God has enabled us to send them there. The best education possible. You know, 
we give to missions a lot. Personally, my wife and I do that because we are challenged by our pastors when we were younger. And sometimes the temptation is to scale back. Yeah, God, you understand, lah. You know, my sons are now. Can I scale back a little bit? Let me challenge you. Don't scale back. Expand it. I said, God, you are faithful. And when I make a pledge the coming Sunday, it's going to be because I believe that you are great. It is not reckless faith. It is believing God can supply and God can more than give. More than I can even think of, the Bible says, or imagine. Can you give the Lord a hand? Give the Lord a hand, amen. Imagine with your wildest imagination. The Bible says in Ephesians, much more than that. And if you do that, I can tell you, this church will not only explode in new endeavors, but you see the outpouring of God in ways beyond what you can say. I'm not saying for fun, I'm saying it because I believe it's true. You have every resources available to you already. Individually and as a church. Now, take it to the next level. Say, God, stir my heart. Stir my passion. Stir me, Lord. Don't let me remain in a mode that I'm comfortable. Stoke my nest. Make me a blessing. Change my prayer from bless me, Lord, to make me a blessing. Doing things with great love because of our Master. Amen. Would you stand with me? Would you just, as you stand, Don't be ashamed of your heritage. The Bible says that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower you. You shall receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will, not you shall. You will be my witnesses. Not for your enjoyment. i 
when we begin to say God take control of my life in the world that we live in today it is so so volatile so uncertain it has become so complex and things are becoming so ambiguous but God is still the same he has not changed. He remains infinitely the same. Powerful, gracious, full of mercy. Not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Your church, my church, all the churches in the world have been given this task until the last soul hears the gospel. Until the nations have heard the goodness. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Here I am waiting. Abide in me. I pray. Here I am longing for you. Come on, church, you reach out to your Father. Praise you, Lord. Hide me in your Close your eyes and just speak to your father.
church you know the greatest privilege is that we are given this chance to be part of God's purpose lives can be transformed families restored people heal so many things that God wants us to be part of but one thing very clear that people may be reconciled back to the Father your investment will yield many many foes that you cannot imagine you will never know but I can tell you this God remembers I've learned that when I surrender my life to Jesus it was only the beginning it wasn't the end and when He invited me to serve Him what a privilege what a joy and the Father is saying to many of you here don't be afraid it is not your strength that will bring you through it is the strength of the Holy Spirit we're going to sing this song one more time and the altars are open for you to come it's a place where you commune with God, a place where you consecrate your life to God. It's a place where God will commission you. And the pastors and the leaders will stand with you in prayer. I can tell you no greater blessings than to be in work, involved with the work that God wants to work through you. That's why He gave His precious Son. That's why He gave His precious Holy Spirit. So as we sing, you may be awake to the altar. Don't wait. Say, God, I want to respond in faith to you. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on anything new and stay connected with us on our social media.